The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, the 106th Edmonton, uh, well, I shouldn't say Edmonton, the 106th Grey Cup coming to Edmonton November 25th, 2018. It's much more than just a game. It is a festival and it's over the course of several days. Nobody does it better than Edmonton. We're going to have tons of fun and the guy behind it all helping organizing it is a great cup festival executive director Dwayne Vino. Hi, Dwayne. Hi, how are you guys? Good, pretty good. Uh, so tell us what's uh, how are ticket sales going? What's still available? What isn't? Holy smokes, um, that's a loaded question. I'll, I'll start with saying some of the uh events that have sold out to date are the awards on the Thursday at the Winsper Center, the CFL awards are sold out. And uh, the spirit of Edmonton breakfast on the Saturday is sold out. I, th- I just heard today there might be a few tickets left for the Friday spirit breakfast at the Shaw. And the indoor tailgate party on, on the Sunday on game day um, mm. is, ha- is sold out. But the other two tailgates are selling very well, but there's still some tickets available for those as well. And then our gala dinner, we're at about 1,700 tickets sold and it holds about 2,000, so we're getting close to selling that one out as well. So That must by, be Shaw, by, is it? Yeah, it's at the Shaw. Yeah. So, so by and large, you know, either an event is sold out or it's getting very, very close. So we're uh, plugging along nicely, and everything's going quite well so far. Is the gala dinner different than that alumni luncheon, or is that the same thing? No, it's different. Oh, so okay. the alum- yeah, so the alumni luncheon is run by the CFL Alumni Association. Oh, okay. And um, that's that infamous lunch that happened, you know, in, in uh, I think it was in 2011, Grey Cup in Vancouver, where the two alumni uh, guy, guy had a little fight on the stage, yeah. and then next year went from 200 people to 1,000. Yeah, yeah. And so, so now, uh, I, I just heard this morning, it said about 850 tickets sold, and the capacity on that one is 1,000. Nice. But that is a lunchtime event, and then that day, that same night, it, that's when we have that gala dinner at the Shaw as well. Now, during the, I guess I should ask as well, as long as we're talking about tickets, how, how's the game itself going ticket-wise? Good, yeah. There's a couple thousand tickets left, um, but they're, they're still selling well. They're, they're, there's some good seats available, and um, uh, we're very confident that, they're, that, that, it'll, that it'll get sold out, and it's just sort of um, plugging away nicely. Yeah, well, there isn't a bad seat in the house for uh, at no. Commonwealth, no. What do you have, or do you have anything to do with the Grey Cup Parade, Dwayne? So the Grey Cup Parade is on Saturday, and um, not every mar- not every year, not every Grey Cup has a parade. We always hold one when Grey Cups are in Edmonton, and uh, it'll be televised by you know your sister station Global, and and uh, it's from noon till two, and there's uh, over a hundred entries, and wow. everybody loves the parade. <laughs> yeah, even in the cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Dwayne. Yeah. <laughs> just curious. Uh, you know uh, the Calgary Stampeders have a habit of uh, or bringing the horse. Yeah, bringing a horse and riding it into the lobby of a of a hotel. Uh, honest question: Do you have to like? Does the hotel know that's going to happen? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. But um, if you, I thought you were going to ask me, do we plan that? <laughs> no, for, of course not. But it's interesting. You know the Cal- You know, so Spirit of Edmonton, the Edmonton team room is at the Westin. Calgary's team room at, is at the Fairmont. Oh, it is okay. at the McDonald, and that's traditionally where they 
they go, you know, it all started way back in the beginning when they went into the lobby of the Royal York, which is a Fairmont property. That's mm. right, yeah. Smudge is not going to like having a horse show up at his place. <laughs> uh, that's been going on for many, many years, and there's always controversy about it. And um, But, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those unique things about Grey Cup. Yeah. So some finalizing still with the with the zip line and everything that's going to be taking place on, what is it, the Wednesday, Thursday? I know Andrew and I are doing our shows from, uh, from, uh, from downtown, so we're looking forward to that. Um, you're going to get us all hooked up on some uh, zip lines, and we're going to videotape it all and play it? Yeah, of course. You know, our first um, our first major event of Grey Cup Week is the Wednesday. It's that kickoff party, and that's from 6 to 8 o'clock. And really what that is all about is inviting everyone to come down, see what we've just built, and, you know, go on all these uh, activations for free. So you can go skiing, you can go for a zip line, you can go tubing, you can go bungee jumping, <laughs> and you can go grab a beer, you can have some food, you can play some football. There's just so many things to do, and... And that's really what we're doing is kicking off the festival on that Wednesday night. And then it stays open the entire festival week. All right. All right that's all on the kickoff day. Well, kickoff, yeah, I guess you can call it a kickoff day. Uh, are there free events throughout that uh, yeah. week? Yeah. Yeah, so, for, so you, know, uh, you know, I just talked about skiing as an example. It, it's free the entire week. Huh. And, so, and also Marmot Basin, who is going to be helping us run the ski hill, they're bringing their ski school and they're um, uh, they're basically managing the hill for us from a from a technical side. So if you've never skied before, you can come and sign up for uh, uh, and take a, uh, an instructor will take you out and show you how to ski on the ski hill. And they're also bringing their rental program. So they call it a rental program, but it's still free. Hmm. And um, so you'll be able to go get fitted in skis and try skiing for the first time and have someone teach you how to ski on the ski hill. And, and what hill exactly are we skiing down? So we're building, we're <laughs> building a hill out of scaffolding, and we've, mm. we've, uh, we've, um, the surface is called, it's, it's called Nevaplast. It's a company out of Europe, and it's intended to be skied on in the summer. So a lot of elite skiers ski year-round on this surface. So we're bringing the surface in. You build the hill. We're building it right on Jasper Avenue. And um, if it snows on it, great. It does. You keep the surface the way it is. But if it if there is no snow, then we we won't have to cancel our snow based activation. Okay. Fun uh, fact for you both. Did you know this? Uh, Brian Hall invented skiing. <laughs> That's how he got to school as a small child. A lot of people don't know that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we do now. Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne, is there anything else that you want folks to know uh, as we're, what, uh, a month out? Yeah, no, just uh, we're looking forward to keep uh, keep checking our website. We'll be making updates all the time, and, and I'm sure everyone will be covering us. But, yeah, we start to build everything on November the 12th, so it's really right around the corner. Mm. And the event, the kickoff party, is in uh, four weeks and two days, so... Uh, it's coming close. We can't wait for it. It's going to be fun. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you, guys. Talk to you Appreciate soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Three fifty on the six thirty chat afternoon news. Hey, Mike says, "Hey, Andrew, would you do the zipline on air? I think it'd be good radio." Yeah, I told we're him. We're totally doing it. Yeah, that is what we're doing. If if I we can make the gonna, technology work. Yeah, well, we'll just get um, like a reverse. We can get a GoPro and GoPro then, reverse it. We'll totally do it. Yeah, like last time I did something like that. I we scaled. might have to pre-date, but... but and no, then but we can do it live. There is a way to do it live. So when I scaled out, was it 
whatever hotel downtown. Sutton Place. Sutton Place, yeah. We broadcast that live. So the engineers did find a way, find a way to do it uh, with good quality audio. That's the issue, right? You just want to have good quality. Um, but zip lines don't scare me. So it won't be, if you're looking forward to be panicking, it won't happen. I love The bungee jumping I'm not sure, so sure about. Uh, I like bungee jumping, but I, you know, well, I don't love bungee jumping. I'm prepared to do it. So um, that dinner on Thursday night with Chris Hadfield that yeah. I emceed, there was a Q&A afterwards, mm-hmm. and someone asked him, what was the most scariest thing that you've done? And he says, well, I think what you want to be asked, what you mean to ask is what's the most dangerous thing to be done? He says, because I don't get scared. He says, scared is... The reason people are scared is because they're not prepared for something. And I'm always prepared for whatever I'm going to do, right? Like, just the way he was thinking. And he went on to explain to this young girl who had asked the question, you know, uh, were you scared when you first learned how to ride a bike? And she said, yes. And you had your dad or your mom pushing behind. Yeah, you were scared. Are you scared now? No. Why not? Because you know how to do it. And But he goes on like this. He says, but what I don't get, what I don't get is people who do things like, bungee jumping Hmm. he says because there's no preparation for that he says there's no there's no um payoff for that (laughs) he was just you know well there's the adrenaline well the adrenaline and he said you know he says the most dangerous things that i've ever done is you know strap yourself to those rocket launching in the rocket one in 36 chance of dying during the space shuttle launches. Mm-hmm. That's the most dangerous. He says, but was I scared? No, I wasn't scared because I was prepared. But bungee jumping, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, bungee jumping is one of those things that I'll readily agree to do and then feel like I made the wrong decision right before I jump. Because, you know, as you know, I don't like heights. Mm. You're, you're counting on somebody else's preparation. Yeah. The fact that, I'll tell you actually, for me, this is just weird, but it's just how my mind works. The the thing that scares me the most, uh, or causes me the most anxiety when it comes to bungee jumping, and I've done it several times, is when they ask your weight. Right? <laughs> Frankly, that's none of your business. Well, it's just one of those. But you ways, have to tell them. You have to tell them because they got to, you know, put the right amount of cord or tension, tension or, whatever or whatever they do, right? But it's one of those things where you're like, as you go to jump, you're like, boy, I hope I didn't underestimate that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know my weight. Don't you guys have a scale? Like, shouldn't there be a scale for me to step on so you can, you know? And maybe I think now that I think about it, some places do have a skill you step on. But I've had people go, eh, so what are you about? Like, you know, and they estimate the weight. And then they start doing something with the <laughs> mechanism. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the one time. I was 15. You, right. You don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to over it? Do you want to over, overestimate it or underestimate it? Exactly. I think now at my age, if somebody, if I were to do the bungee and somebody were to say, "Well, what do you figure you, weigh?" I'd be like eight hundred pounds. Because if you overestimate it, it's probably going to be a, a more tension, so you don't get to fall as far. Well, at West Edmonton Mall, the last time I did it, they asked me my weight, and then they asked if I, or I stepped on a scale. I don't recall. But then they asked if I wanted to dip in the water or not. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, no, I definitely want to dip in the water. So then they, I would imagine they change the length yeah. or, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, they're pretty accurate because I dipped in the water. I literally did exactly what he said I was going to do. Mm. The part I honestly don't, I mean, aside from stepping off the platform, which is I find very difficult to do, the rest of it takes care of itself. 
I mean, the only thing well, you have to point, do is step off the platform, yeah, right? Yeah, at that point, that and that is the scariest thing when you're when you're jumping out of a plane. Yeah. When you're skydiving, it's that leap out of the plane or stepping out onto the struts of the plane and then letting go. That's the scary part. Well, there's not much you can do after that. Do you know? I think if this ever comes up again in conversation, mm. um, that I have my answer for you. the The question that was asked of uh, uh, of your astronaut there, Hatfield, mm. is that? Chris Hadfield. Yeah, Hadfield. The scariest thing I think I've ever done was only recently. I think it was in, during our last family trip to Mexico, and we went to a place that had zip lines, and a lot of them, like, you know, one of these places that there's 26 different zip lines, mm-hmm. and you go from one tower to another to another. And on the last tower, um, and you're wearing the same harness that they keep hooking yeah, up yeah. every time, right? But the harness had become so loose at that point, and I'm sure I was still safe, but the harness had become so loose that I was slipping out of the harness as I was going down. I, I, you know, it felt like I was holding myself in there as opposed to the harness holding me in. Um, and maybe that's wrong, and maybe that's just the way I, you know, it felt or whatever. Mm. Um, but it was that feeling of, and and this last tower goes over a highway, so you're going from one side of the the whatever they call it wreck area to the other. And you're coming in at a gazillion mile. I mean, you're just going so fast. He's and it was coming in hot. And it was at night. Mm. So you could see little lights below you. Mm. You could see the car lights when you went over the highway. So you had an idea of how yeah. high you were. But I just thought, right in that moment, your mind starts really playing tricks with you. Like, well, what do I know what their safety regulations are? And, and you know. Well, now and, you're asking once you're done. Right. And then, you know, the, the other part is... It's the wrong time to well, ask. Well, are my kids safe? Like, they're going next. So wrong time to ask. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should check should that out beforehand, that. right? Well, it's I asked so the guy. I, I showed the guy my harness before I got on that last it's one. Oh, good. Yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, have a good day. Yeah, like, good Yeah, no, no, I want to know if this is an important... He pushed me. So I was like, okay, well, that conversation ended abruptly. But, it, you know, there's nothing... You you don't sit on anything. You're just sort of strapped into this yeah. harness. But the, the thing that was under my butt was in the middle of my back. Mm. So I feel like I could still have held on. My It's still under my arms, but it feels like, well, that's not where it should be. It's just not a good look either. Oh, it really it's isn't. A just, just, it's an awful Nobody look. Nobody needs to see a guy my size coming in at uh, you no. know, 100 miles an hour while crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife hates pouty men. <laughs> and to see one rushing towards her from the sky. Oh, great, he's <laughs> mine. <laughs> The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.